A question for you. Do you or a member of your team need to be trained on the new European medical device regulation? Then register to the Green Belt Certification Program. Multiple sessions are available. Check at easymedicaldevice.com GB. And don't forget to use the promo code POD2022 to get 10% discount. P-O-D-2022. Okay, talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will do the May update. So this month on the hot topic, we have multiple elements that to discuss. And the first one is about uh, Udamed. So Udamed, you know that we have actually uh, three modules that are uh, available. We have the economic operators module, we have the device registration module, and we have also the certificates uh, for notified bodies. Uh, and the EU Commission has issued uh, some updates in terms of guidances, guidances for economic operators that we had already before, but there were some updates on the on the guidance. Plus also for notified bodies that uh, will um, put some certificates inside the Udamed database. So uh, these documents can be important for you for having a clear understanding of how Udamed is working, how you can place information inside. There are uh, multiple documents related also to the design of the data that should be inside Udamed. Uh, so this, if you are really a specialist on, on that and if you have an IT team, this can be helpful for you. So don't hesitate to go on the show notes to uh, find those guidances. Uh, I have one question that a lot of people are asking me when they are trying to register to Udamed. When you are registering as an economic operator, uh, you have uh, to have a first account for you when you register to have uh, your, your, your administrator account. And then if you want to place devices inside the platform, you have to create a second account with a second email address, etc. Then for the person who will be registering the device, it cannot be the same. We tried and I didn't find a way, so you cannot, it cannot be the same unless you have a solution, maybe that it, it can be the same. But uh, now we have to have two accounts, one for the administrator of, uh, for the database that will give authorization for people to use uh, the Udamed database uh, in, on behalf of uh, their company. And then you have the account for uh, the registration of products or, or some other elements. So don't forget that um, this may be is also something that is, it can be clarified inside the user manual or the guidance that uh, I'm, I'm showing you now on the, on the show notes. Okay, the EU Commission is also providing some information related to the Delegated Act. So Delegated Act is mainly some acts that will be issued by the EU Commission to update the EU MDR or IVDR. So how this is working, what are exactly the scopes? So um, on this document, it's mentioning that this will uh, the delegated acts will be uh, done, for example, to update the Annex 16 list. So the Annex 16 are the products that have no medical purpose. And the dele a delegated act can be issued to update this list. So now we have actually six categories inside. Maybe there will be a seventh category or maybe there will be some clarification on, on, uh, on the categories that are already available. So um, 
this can be done through a delegated act. Another thing is, for example, nanomaterials. We have a, a definition actually of nanomaterials inside the, the, the UMDR. Maybe they can also update that. The other updates can be the elements on the technical files or the post-marketing surveillance, so Annex 2 and Annex 3 of the UMDR. Uh, the exemptions from the uh, requirements in terms of the implant card uh, for the minimum content of the EU Declaration of Conformity. Uh, you have also information to be submitted for uh, UDI, uh, the frequency to complete the reassessment of notified bodies, so uh, if they can reduce or increase that also. Uh, the exemptions related to uh, some well-established uh, technologies. Uh, the minimum content of the CE certificate for notified bodies, the documents that are regarding the clinical investigation and international clinical performance studies, and the tasks of the expert panels and expert labs. So you see that what we are learning now can change tomorrow with the delegated act. And uh, this is something that, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, we, we were aware of before that this can happen, but now they are clarifying exactly what is the scope and what can be changed uh, through that. So if you see some changes, you know that maybe a delegated act was issued and uh, this is uh, the, the main reason why. Okay, a reminder, we talked on the 26th of May 2021 about the possibility of, I mean, before 26th of May 2021, a possibility of Turkzit, so Turkey, which is normally not a country of the European Union, um, that Turkey will not be anymore uh, part of the EU, EU medical device, uh, so regulations. So um, on the 26th of May 2021, we informed you that there was a, an agreement. And here there was just a reminder or some precision related to this agreement. So just to explain exactly what can people do and not do with the with Turkey related to medical devices. So the clarification is the fact that for medical devices, not maybe for other products, but for medical devices, uh, Turkey is considered as being part of the European Union. What does it mean? It means that if you have a notified body in Turkey, if you have an authorized representative in Turkey, if you have an importer in Turkey, it's the same that if you have them in the European Union. So you can have your importer in Turkey or authorized representative in Turkey, and then you can sell all your products all over the European Union. It's the same. If you want to sell in Turkey, you don't need to appoint a new notified body, a new importer or new authorized representative. The one that you have within the European Union can be used also to sell your products in Turkey. So um, this can help a lot. Um, this, if I can say, uh, is uh, is, uh, is the, act, the action that was done before the 26th of May 2021 or just at the same date. Uh, for example, we had also the discussion about Swixit and Swixit didn't happen. I mean, happened if I can say, but uh, it was not the same as the Turkey, but Switzerland is closer, if I can say, to the European Union. But uh, Switzerland now, for example, if you go to Switzerland, you need to appoint a new authorized representative, an importer. And if you go to, uh, if uh, Swiss manufacturers wants to go to the European Union, they have also to appoint an authorized representative and uh, an importer also in the European Union. So yeah. So there are some changes and we hope that Switzerland will also sign an agreement with Europe, but it's not the case for the moment. So, um, but yeah, so if you want to go to Turkey, no need to invest more on some organizations like authorized representative importer or notified bodies. The ones that you have now for European Union are sufficient. So Spain, uh, just before the 26th of May 2022, which is the date of application of the IVDR, they are just informing that um, while IVDR will be coming uh, 
to, on the market. Um, as long as the EU DAMED is not fully implemented and fully available, the companies that are trying to sell also their products in, in Spain have still to notify or to register their products within the CCPS in, in Spain. So this is just an information, but actually a lot of countries are doing the same like uh, Germany or others. They are asking you to continue to register within their platforms uh, while Udamed is, um, is uh, being in place. And we still don't have any date actually when Udamed will be fully available. We just have uh, the information that yeah, in the next month or uh, end of the year, we'll have maybe additional modules, but there is no official date that are available. So as long as Udamed is not completely available per what is written on the EUMDR, uh, the, then it's not completely mandatory if I can say to use that. I'm still advising you, please go and register on Udamed uh, because when it will be mandatory, you will have only six months and then it will be really a rush. Everybody will try to register and then maybe it will not work for everyone. So, and remember that it's not an automatic process. Behind each registration, you have somebody that will be checking, which is from the, uh, uh, the your health authority. Uh, so in France, ANSM, etc. So there is somebody that will be checking and approving or rejecting your registration. So if there is too much people that are coming, there will be also an issue related to uh, some bottlenecks uh, for, for, for them to provide you with, uh, with some services. Okay, let's go now to the US. So let's start first with MDSAP. So MDSAP, the Medical Device Single, U, uh, Single Audit Program. So this is a program that is helping you to uh, register your products within five countries. So Canada, USA, Brazil, uh, Japan, uh, and uh, Australia. So these are the countries that are covered within MDSAP. And um, we have a certain document that is helping us to uh, understand what will be asked during the audits. And it's called the uh, Audit program or audit approach, I can't remember, oh, yeah, audit approach. Uh, so this audit approach was updated. So if you were using this audit approach, you have to update that. There is a full list of the updates that are at the end of the document. It tells you exactly what has changed. So um, if you are using that for preparing your MDSAP audit, then you can go there and update um, update this document per the new requirements. If you have never used this document, so this document is providing you all the requirements per ISO 13485, per the different countries' requirements. So there is some specific countries' requirements. And you can use that to verify if you are compliant or not. So this is really um, the tool I, I am using to audit companies for MDSAP. So this is something that is really uh, helpful. So don't hesitate also to go on the show notes and I will uh, show you the, these documents. Next step for the FDA, uh, we have some um, guidances or documents that are explaining uh, some criteria why FDA will refuse uh, some of the policies that you are doing for the 510k. So this is just a document that is giving you some uh, information because sometimes you receive a refusal from, from the FDA and you say why. And here there are some criteria inside that the FDA is using also to verify your 510k. So if you are not meeting those criteria, then your 510k will be, will be refused. So go also on the show notes to just check this, uh, this document. Okay, FDA Medicine. So FDA Medicine is the newsletter that FDA is issuing related to um, compliance or uh, critical issues on the on the US market. And today we'll talk about uh, a lot of products. So I will just tell you the kind of products that 
we have uh, that are talked within the medicine. And if your products um, are similar to those ones, my advice is really to go and check uh, them for your post-marketing surveillance, for checking if there are new, new issues that are um, that are happening for equivalent products or similar products than yours. Uh, this is really a, a source of information. So we have aesthetic skin procedures using plasma or radiofrequency handpiece, ventilators, dye laser, uh, cylinder compressed gas, a ventilator emergency power, a catheter flow, oxygenator, wire guide catheter, needle hypodermic, and infusion pump. So if you have some of those equipments, go to look at the medicine uh, newsletter just to see if some of the issues that are identified can be maybe helpful for you, helpful also for your post-marketing surveillance uh, so that you can also relate that, yeah, some competitors have some issues, but you have verified that you don't have them. So you have also to make those checks there. Okay, now let's go to the Middle East. So we go to a new country because I never, I think, informed about this country. So it's Ethiopia in Africa. So uh, in Ethiopia, um, the the Ethiopian uh, government has issued a, a guidance related to the labeling requirements. So if you are willing to sell your products in Ethiopia, uh, so then there are some requirements in terms of labeling, what you have to place there, what are the information. So this is something that is really uh, helpful for you. And for Asia, it's the same. So we have also some other uh, countries, so which is Malaysia, which is doing the same. They are also providing a guidance in terms of labeling requirements. So this is also a big issue, the labeling requirements. Why? Because um, you start to have requirements from many countries. So when you are selling your product, when you want to sell your products to different countries, it happened that you have really to split your label. So it means that these products that you are producing with those labels should go only to this country. These products with these labels only to this country because there are, there are some specific requirements that are mentioned the labeling. So this is also a big problem for companies that are trying to have one label that fits all countries because then your label is like a <laughs> big, a gigantic. So um, my advice is really there to try to set up some uh, specific maybe references or spe specific labels that are specifically for certain country uh, and some for those. But I know it's not easy and it's more a logistic job if I can say to, to think about that. But this is the best for you to be able to avoid any issue on certain market, to avoid also if you are changing the label that it is impacting some registration in other countries, uh, because as soon as you change the label, you have maybe to resubmit the registration in countries that maybe are, should not be impacted by this label normally, but you have to do that. So labeling requirements are something that are really is really critical for you to check, to verify, and as I've said, to be compliant for each of the regions where you are selling your products. Okay, some events. So we are um, in the beginning of May. And uh, so by the 3rd, the 4th and the 5th of May, a MedTech Forum Europe is starting in Barcelona. I will be there. So it is tomorrow after the, 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 the release of this episode. So I will be there and I will be trying to meet uh, some people, uh, people there in, in Barcelona, trying to also interview uh, some of the speakers that will be there. And then I will try to create a video for that. So if you are uh, in Barcelona and if you want to meet me, so don't hesitate, uh, come to me and let's, uh, let's talk together.
The second event is for SFDA. So they are having a webinar, which is a webinar about a clinical evaluation and PMCF for SFDA. So I put the link on the show notes. Please, when you go there, there is uh, a text below the image, the big image, and there is a date and things. So you have really to click on the link. It's a WebEx link when the uh, event will kick off. So you have really to check the SFDA time for the for the event and then click uh, click on that if you want really to understand how SFDA is managing clinical uh, clinical uh, investigation and uh, clinical evaluation and PMCF. Okay, guidances now. So we have a few guidances, three apparently, yeah. no, two, uh, two to discuss. So first, we have the MDCG um, planning for all the guidances. So I will just show that to you. Um, I mean, show this <laughs> here uh, just for you to, to look at, uh, at the image. But the, the planning is on the, on the show notes. So you'll see that there are still a lot of guidances that are planned. Uh, for 2022 and maybe later uh, so uh, this is something that yeah will continue until a uh, few few years and uh, this is really important so all the guidances don't forget they are guidances but notified bodies are really referring to those guidances uh, to uh, to apply what uh, what they, what they are doing so um, please look at this agenda and check if maybe some of the guidances that are planned are really important for you because then you know that they will be coming so the guidance that was issued this month in April was the MDCG 2022-5, which is the MDCG about borderline medical devices. And it is, I read it, and it is an amazing document. I would have loved to have this document when it was under MDD, because some of the things that are mentioned on these documents would have been really helpful also under MDD. I had so many struggles with some manufacturers uh, related to borderline products that this document will have been really helpful. So this document is really interesting because it gives some clarification about a lot of definition. What is a pharmacological uh, mean? What is a metabolic? What is immunological? What is a substance? Uh, and also talking about the difference between medicinal products and medical devices. And there is a specific chapter, which is amazing because I, if I can say, I, I would have loved to have that also. It's about the herbal products. So we are always thinking, is herbal, are herbal products so medicinal products, medical devices in the between both, both etc. So this guidance is really clarifying all the things to say, yes, an herbal product can be a medical device, but can also be a medicinal product. And here are the criteria for making them one or the other. So this document is really, I think, helpful for, for you if you are really in the borderline. If you are some if you are selling some products that contain some active substances uh, and then you are trying to make them medical devices, you have really to understand how what is, how, how those, those wordings, how the, the justification can be done to say, yes, this is a medicinal product or no, this is a medical devices. But uh, this document, a 20, uh, some 20 pages document is really long, but it's really clarifying a lot of things. It's also talking about rule 21. I mean, not rule 21, but substances within medical devices. So what you, which is the one for rule 21, where it says exactly what is the type of substances we are talking about that are absorbed on the body that are for the skin, etc. So these are also something that uh, uh, are really needed for us when we are trying to regulate those, uh, those substances. So please, if you are are really um, lost in terms of borderline products for medicine between medicinal products and uh, medical devices. This document will really open 
a lot of uh, a lot of doors for you will really uh, give you a lot of clarity in terms of uh, those type of products and i hope there will be no um, no doubt anymore about is this a medical device or is this a medicinal product the other guidance is the Wu World Health Organization that uh, was creating that. I was surprised to see that. I said, oh, strange. But this is a guidance about post-marketing surveillance for me medical devices and in vitro diagnostic. So it's a great document that is explaining how you will execute that. So how this should be done. What are the, some examples to take? So um, this is a course for me for consider so because when you read it it's really helping you to um, apply that to uh, use that to put in place all things so you have this guidance you have also some standards i can't remember the name um, uh, now but you have also some standards for post-marketing surveillance but the most important is for you to look at the eumdr or ivdr to tell you exactly what are the elements that you have to follow for creating post-marketing surveillance but these standards i find it really well so this standard is, is really good so don't hesitate to go on the show notes and, and find it also notified bodies so what's the situation actually so this month um or recently now yesterday i think we had the information of a new notified body that was accredited for ivdr so ivdr yeah we don't have too much notified bodies for ivdr so <laughs> thank you for having a new one so for ivdr we have a new notified body which is called 3ec international so this notified body was already accredited for mdr now it is for ivdr so we have now for mdr 28 notified bodies and we have for ivdr seven notified bodies so it's a good news because as i said we have a really a big need Need, a huge need of not notified bodies for IVDR but yeah I'm not sure seven would be enough but this is already a good news to have one one more so congratulations 3EC International for being accredited for for IVDR okay so what happened within easy medical device so first we had an article uh, related to uh, IVDR how to I mean, we are close to IVDR now, so uh, we had. I have created a, a blog post about the uh, how you have to consider yourself when you are going to IVDR. What should you prepare now? What should be ready? You ready by the twenty sixth of May, twenty twenty two, and then after how this will be executed. So go to this article if you are within um, the IVDR business and you are still lost, maybe about what you have to do or not do before the twenty sixth of May, twenty twenty two. So podcast. So we have had the episode 175 where I try to help you to understand how an audit is working with the front room and the back room. What is that? So a front room is uh, the room where you are the auditee and the auditor with maybe some other people in the room to pass the audit, to receive the questions and then to answer to them. And you have the back room, which is the room where all your teams or collaborators are there and helping you to answer those questions. So meaning, for example, can you show me the procedure for this and that? Then the back room is preparing the procedure and providing that to you because the objective is that you are still with the auditor and you're helping the auditor and the back room is really on the back and helping you to gather all those documents and information that are that are needed so if you want to implement this kind of audit which is really helpful uh, if you are a big organization uh, this can be uh, this can be done by listening to this uh, this episode then episode 176 uh, where i talked with matthias fink from uh, tuve sud about uh, how 
a notified body is reviewing or is willing to to check is checking the PMCF. So PMCF is post marketing clinical follow up. So uh, this element is uh, really important for for MDR. So if you are sending your PMCF to notified body, uh, they will have to check and they find sometimes some issues. So Matthias think is sharing with us the issues and maybe some advices on how you can uh, implement the PMCF correctly. And episode one hundred and seventy seven. So we talked with uh, the team from Twinzo or MedDev Solutions. So uh, Rod Beitzeval and uh, Kati Kune, we talked about training. So training process is a process that is always um, creates a lot of issues um, during audits and during also internal audits. I'm doing a lot of internal audits with companies. And when we are auditing the, uh, the training process, there is there are always the same issues. So here on this episode, we try to explain to you how a training process should be done, what are the issues that we are always seeing, how you should correct that, how an auditor will be checking that your people are trained or not. So uh, yeah, this would be really a great episode. So please look at this one. If you had to look at one of the three, this one is the, the best one because uh, mainly, uh, as I said, it's always the same issues that we find so i this will be helping you to uh, to avoid them okay so i think i hope this will be helping you and um yeah working for you but don't forget if you have any uh, need of a specific topic on the podcast so let me know i will try to find the right person to talk about that or i can do the episode myself but just send me a message and i will try to uh, to issue uh, this kind of uh, this kind of uh, information for you Okay, it was a pleasure to have you today. So we close this uh, this episode and uh, don't forget uh, to go to the YouTube channel to make a like or also a comment just to say that maybe you liked it. It's always a pleasure and it's also helping me because then more people can be seeing this episode. More people can be also uh, having more information about medical devices, which is really my, my objective. So thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.